Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And we have, as usual, three big topics we want to get into, Connor. Um, Number one is what about the president's vaccine mandate that he just announced a couple of days ago? Is it going to survive? Will it survive a court challenge? Yeah. That's what people are wondering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Question two, will the president's uh, fight back against the Texas abortion law work? He has authorized the Department of Justice to file a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the abortion law in Texas. So we will get into that. And finally, we're going to rip the scab off the issue of income inequality. Hooray, we'll finally solve it. Yeah, we're going to get uh, some examples of how income equality fanatics nonetheless love to live an unequal life. We're going to return to those thrilling days of Chelsea Clinton's wedding. (laughs) And we're going to, of course, play the ever-popular game Guess the Verdict, uh, which uh, Connor's got a wonderful track record on, good betting average. But today, it's going to be a challenge for him because the subject matter at the end of the show, the the verdict he'll have to try to guess, involves a killer dog. A killer dog. So, yeah, it it could be grim, but actually, uh, there's kind of a happy ending. I'll I'll give you you that bit of a spoiler (laughs) alert. Thank goodness. Before we get into the vaccine issue, I, I got to say, uh, this, we saw a story recently, Connor, but the stupidest bride and groom ever, at least in my opinion, we'll, we'll get your take. Uh, Doug Simmons and Dead Simmons uh, of Chicago decided to have a destination wedding in Jamaica, Love it. In Jamaica once in a lifetime experience uh, at the uh, Royalton Resort and Spa there. So, of course, they send the invitations out and um, as people, one does, people come back with the RSVPs and so on. And and the couple explain to people, well, you know, we, we really want to know if you're going to be there because, you know, there are expenses involved and so on. And sure enough, a bunch of folks, uh, I think about 20, 25 people, they said they were going to show up, but they just didn't show up, Ugh. okay, without any warning at all. That's pretty bad. Now, uh, the newlyweds figured out that the cost of uh, the dinner uh, per person was $120. And so, if you said you'd show up at the Simmons wedding and you didn't without oh any God. notice, you got a bill from the happy couple. And the bill said for each couple, couple that didn't show, here's a $240 bill. Uh, they, they were told, you know, they, these expenses were, were serious and you, 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 we felt hurt and disrespected by the no-shows. Um, I, I just feel wonder... like it would have been easier maybe if they could have just sent them a letter saying we're no longer friends. Because that's Uh the same effect as that letter. If you can afford a destination wedding in Jamaica and you think all your friends can afford it too, you're a bunch of very rich people. You're fine. Yeah, you might have to pay $2,000 for empty seats and uneaten dinners. And you know what? That's a a cost you're going to have to swallow along with the $10,000 you paid for the luau package with the (laughs) resort where you held this wedding and the $15,000 you probably paid for your dress and the airfare for you and your whole family to fly to this destination wedding. I think you're going to be okay with the uneaten veal, which remember, you were going to pay regardless of whether they show up or not. You just wish that your party was bigger. Oh, my God, people. Yeah, I think that uh, to 
The, in the immortal words of uh, Ron Burgundy, you know, stay classy, San Diego. The, <laughs> yeah. the Simmons should have stayed classy. They probably they should, should have just ignored them. You know, we're never going to have anything to do with them. But to send them a bill, it just seems kind of tacky, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'd be curious to know if anybody actually paid the bill. Yeah. Uh, they'd have to really want to stay friends with these people. They, they put on the bill, this invoice is being sent to you because of your confirmed seat at the wedding reception during the, the final head count. The amount above is the cost of your individual seats because you didn't call or give us proper notice that you wouldn't be in attendance the proper amount is what you owe us for paying for your seats in advance you, know you can pay by uh, Zelle or PayPal please reach oh, out to nice us how nice of them to be so flexible yeah, let us know which method of payment you works you can also best. pay by uh, body part if you like you could come and we'll chop off two fingers and yeah. we think that will you know be recompense pretty stupid all right uh, joe biden's vaccine mandate um the big picture here of on vaccine requirements is a big question from the beginning has been may people be forced to get a vaccine right and if so under what circumstances so we've talked connor about this u.s supreme court case from 1905 the jacobson small- versus massachusetts oh, was that it? smallpox vaccine yeah. uh as a public health protection step and so the Supreme Court said, yeah, you, you can do that as a government. So the answer broadly is yes. I think Biden ha- has a right to do this. But people who run the government and big companies have tried to avoid forcing people to do things like take vaccine. They prefer the carrot to the stick. We've talked about lottery tickets, yeah. and marijuana, cigarettes. They've tried and, that for a while now. Yeah, yeah. And so Biden has run out of patience. So his order takes a few forms. Number one, all federal employees, you got to get your shots or you lose your job within 75 days. Uh, postal uh, workers were walking around and knocking on people's doors, mm-hmm. I guess really just dropping mail in slots, but still out interacting in the world. Oh, absolutely. Federal, you know, forestry employees that are interacting with campers and travelers and FEMA uh, employees who are helping after natural disasters. Everybody who's interacting with the public in the world and spreading a disease, theoretically. Makes sense. Federal workers. So that's the federal employees. The second big chunk is companies with over 100 employees. And, uh, you know, this involves tens of millions of people. Yeah, like 80 million people are employed by these large companies. So the question is, why? why? Why do big employers need to do this? Well, what Biden's saying is that uh, these employees have to get the vaccine or if they don't, companies must test them every week at the company's expense. The employers have to give them paid time off to get the vaccine, to deal with the side effects. Uh, The fines are are big, $14,000 fines if if the company violates these rules. And if it's a a flagrant violation, it could be 10 times that, about $140,000. Yeah, and the question in a lot of people's minds is, what does this magic 100 uh, employee number mean? Is this a legal thing? Does this matter? It's just arbitrary, right? Is it arbitrary is the question. And and, and the answer, I think, is that, no, it's not completely arbitrary. Obviously, any number you choose, 199, 90, 50, whatever— 500 is going to be arbitrary in some sense, but you're talking about the largest employers of people, which means the people with the most resources and also the people with the most responsibility to protect their employees. If you are an employer who hires one person, well, you're not really it don't really have much uh, of, a, of a job and, and responsibility in terms of protecting that employee from other employees. There's only one. Now, if you've got two, you're, you're, you've got exponentially higher. If you've got 50 employees, they're all interacting with one another and there's all risk, right. you know, incurred by interacting with one another. Frankly, 100 people as, in, as the level of, of the employer is pretty high. There are a lot of companies. I mean, there are like over 300 million, not quite 400 million people in, in the U.S., right? So mm-hmm. we're talking only 80 million of them 
are affected by this in terms of who works for an employer who employs more than 100 people, that's actually a pretty small portion of the population in terms of only the biggest employers. We're talking the Walmarts and all this, this of the world. And if you're going to live in our, our, our country as, a, as, an employee, as an employer, as a company, and take advantage of everything that you know we provide in terms of roads and bridges and people who are the laborer that provides the backbone that actually generates the value in your company, not to put on my Lennon, Marx, you know, commie hat over here, but they're the ones generating- John Lennon and Groucho Marx? That's exactly right. Yes, exactly. And they had great hats. Um, and, you know- th- it's the people who are generating the value. You've got to protect those people. And so to me, it's not arbitrary. To me, yeah, any individual member you pick is arbitrary. But the idea that larger employers have to protect their large groups of employees, that actually makes total logical sense. So let's talk about the specific court challenges that are, are going to be uh, applied here. What's the basis legal basis of Joe Biden's mandate. Well, he looks to the Occupational Safety and Health Act, which says, OSHA, which says uh, there's an emergency rule provision. If you have a grave danger to employees and they need to be protected, then you may implement an emergency rule. And so that's what Biden's doing. Because it's emergency, it's only in effect for several months, and then there'd have have to be hearings and and a further evaluation. But Mm -hmm. in the short term, that's what he's doing. And the analogy that the president is making is, well, OSHA says you got to be safe from asbestos and toxic chemicals and pollutants and so on. So why shouldn't we also be able to look at COVID and say this, too, is a source of grave danger? Uh, you know, the the Republican argument against this is likely to be, well, there's a big difference between asbestos and COVID. The Democrats are going to say, no, there really isn't a difference. There's a public health crisis either way, asbestos or COVID. And there's a solution. Yes. Yeah, so- asbestos and, and force vaccines. But But there has never been a court case that has uh, supported the idea of an OSHA grave danger emergency rule uh, involving a mandatory vaccine. Any predictions as to how our fine court system is going to deal with this thorny conundrum? That is is the issue, isn't it? I guess all conundra are thorny, right? (laughs) Our fine fine court system is the problem. So the courts will be looking at whether this is really, whether COVID is dangerous. And I think any sane human being would look at the fact that more than simple question right there million people have died 600,000 people have died of this in the United States alone and so that's grave danger boom done now yes it's a small percentage yes you know maybe 95% of people who get it don't have serious symptoms or whatever that doesn't mean that it's not a grave danger to the people who do get it nobody's saying that everybody who gets exposed to asbestos in the workplace dies of it that's not the point the point is that some people do and that you need to take you know abetting procedures to prevent that and that you can and that i think it's pretty you know comparable to say that retrofitting a factory is similar to requiring your uh, employees to get a vaccine especially since the vaccine part is free yeah you got to pay the time off for the employer employees who might you know be feel sick afterwards and right. miss some work but that's pretty much it this is the, the the grave danger prong of this legal analysis is pretty straightforward the second prong of this is whether Biden's vaccine mandate is necessary. The judges will be looking at this and saying, is it necessary to do this? Can you do it with some other less restrictive Yeah, and that gets into uh, maybe uh, somebody saying, well, I'll I'll see your OSHA and I'll raise you the Americans with Disabilities Act and the civil rights law, which provide both of them for reasonable accommodation. So some 
people, some companies are probably going to try to say, well, look, what about social distancing? What about masking? What about remote working? Yeah. Shouldn't these be reasonable accommodations yeah. for folks as alternatives to requiring a vaccine? Yeah, if they have some sort of health concern over it, some reason why it's contra, uh, the vaccine is contraindicated. Now, in reality, there is no medical condition under which any uh, vaccines of these modern vaccines like mRNA vaccines or even the non-mRNA vaccines like the Johnson & Johnson or the foreign vaccines, there's no medical condition that where those are contraindicated. There's no reason to think uh, that you you should be you should be worried about it. I think there's some people who might have like allergies to the sort of like serum that all vaccines come in, the liquid that it comes in. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. It is like point oh 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 one percent of people who have some sort of weird allergy to like the plastic uh, that that the vaccine comes in, or so, who knows what it is. But it's so minor that there's basically nobody who has a reasonable uh, reason to claim uh, exactly. There are people for whom the vaccine will not work and because they have compromised immune systems of some form where doctors say, we're not going to give you this injection because it's not going to take. Your body can't mount an immune response to the injection of the vaccine. And therefore, what's the point? You can't if your immune system's not strong enough to recognize, oh, this is the blueprint of the threat that we should be on the lookout for and then mount an immune response to it. Then what's the issue? But but. You you can't you can't get a doctor on the stand to testify in Congress, uh, except maybe Trump's personal doctor to testify that that really there's a reason that, that somebody's you know health condition is to be contraindicated to to take these mRNA vaccines. So there's the the question of, of necessary as compared to other accommodations that you could take, for example, for the Americans with Disabilities Act, the the Biden administration is already ahead of it, by the way. It's not a vaccine mandate. You don't have to get the vaccine. You can just get tested. So, boom, built in, already easy. You've got all the objections well, that, that people that might have. That applies to the companies, uh, but I think if you're a federal employee, you don't have that choice. I think you have to get it or you lose your job. Okay, but largely the federal employees you know, prong is not the important prong of this. The much larger uh, impact right. comes from the big employers, especially since that was, um, you know, different uh, and new because there had already been like creeping federal employee ma uh, vaccine uh, requirements. Um, the military is another uh, large one. I mean, we, we have a very large military uh, and there are a lot of people out there currently who are saying, oh, my gosh, it's such tyranny, such a, a, a horrific tyranny. The idea that I in the military will have to take orders. Oh, no, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> why did I even join this organization? Well, that's the whole point. So when we come back, we're going to ask uh, the question, what if one federal judge, just one out of the 673 federal judges uh, across the span of America, some of if, whom were appointed by Trump? Yeah. What if one federal judge decides to issue an injunction against the Biden program? Yeah. Will that hold up? We will address that when we return. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Yeah, we really appreciate every single review and rating and subscription. Uh, if you go to the podcast platform, that you use Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you like, and uh, you click the subscribe button or the little bell or the join or whatever you want to uh, click, depending on the, pro the uh, program that you use. And if you leave us a review, we will read it and we will, you know, check out the star rating or, or out of five rating that you leave us. And, uh, uh, you know, we may shake our fist angrily at the screen <laughs> if you give us anything but a five star review. But 
that's also powerful to force us to sit down and read your review and then have to shake our fist at the screen. Uh, I, I would do it. And I, I may mean, not shake powerful. my entire fist, just part of the hand. You know, <laughs> oh, a, a portion. Or one fifth, maybe, of the fingers of the hand. Perhaps. Yeah. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conor Oaks. So we're talking about Joe Biden's uh, initiative, the mandate for vaccines for all federal employees and for all employees uh, where the companies have 100 or more employees. And one issue uh, arises. What if somebody goes to court in federal court and says, hey, this is unconstitutional and you can't do it. There are other uh, more reasonable approaches. And what if a single federal judge, there are 673 of them in 91 separate federal district courts around the country. What if one judge says, hey, I'm going to issue an injunction against the Biden administration. This ties into the national injunction debate we've seen. Uh, when uh, Obama was president, uh, he had some immigration initiatives. He Im- imposed some uh, federal regulations to implement federal immigration law. And on occasion, a single federal judge would issue an injunction shutting down the entire national program of the Obama administration. People said, hey, can, can one judge do that? And the answer was, well, you know, it's subject to appeal. You can go up to the Court of Appeals. But yeah, we think one judge could do it. Trump then comes along and he says, let's have a travel ban. A single federal judge in Washington or Oregon uh, would come along and say, I'm going to enjoin the Trump administration. And even though I'm only an Oregon federal judge, I have the power to do it for the entire country judge. Yeah. So now that brings forward this. And so there's been a debate. Should one judge be able to do that? Some folks, Clarence Thomas has said, no, I, I don't think that they may, but that tool has not been struck down by the Supreme Court. So uh, do you think we could be looking at critics of the, the mandate down in Mississippi or Texas or wherever, just uh, sidling into federal court, filing a suit, getting a judge to to reject it? Uh, again, they can then go up to the Circuit Court of Appeals. But in Texas, you know, the Fifth Circuit often sides with the oh, conservative yeah. uh, decisions by the judge. Yeah, the Fifth and Circuit And then the U.S. Supreme Court looms over them. So I wonder, you think this is going to reignite the uh, national injunction debate? Oh, I think it will. Uh, it, it definitely will. I think that... There are um, a lot of very conservative judges who don't really understand the gravity of the situation and who see it as an opportunity to become famous and powerful and, and you know, it, it, to flex their uh, conservative muscles. And uh, I think that it's, it's a real danger. And I think that um, it's such a clear cut and obvious like grave danger issue that um, it's really like kind of unsettling and horrifying to think about how uh, the, you know, you, you just have to find one out of those 600 some odd judges mm-hmm. who will side with you on this and doesn't listen to the facts or the law on this. I mean, judges love to, you know, claim to be umpires who call balls and strikes, but like OSHA has found that saving potentially 80 lives in an asbestos in the asbestos industry. Like they looked at numbers, they looked at how many people, there was a famous case in the 80s, in 1980 something, four, I think, where um, the, a court said, uh, the the experts came forward and and said that you, you've got like a, 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 between a quarter and a half a million people who work in, asbe- in the asbestos industry. And 80 people might die if, if we don't implement these 80, uh, asbestos abatement uh, procedures, which will cost millions of dollars for all these employers all across the country. And that's a grave danger. And the court said, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to say that 80 people dying is not a grave danger. That's serious. This is real. The idea that you might get a federal court injunction to look at that and go, 
oh yeah, that guy, that's that's wrong. I'm gonna overturn that. 80 people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so clear cut. It's so dangerous. COVID is such a big, it's a global pandemic. Yeah, yeah it's but so I mean, you can criticize you individual decisions, but really it's, it's a power thing because yes. it, per my examples, you know, you had a judge slam Obama and a few years later you had a single judge slam Trump. So, yeah. you know, you're gonna get liberal and conservative takes, but ultimately the issue is should, whether it's a conservative or liberal decision, should a judge be able to do it? Uh, I'll digress a moment and say in terms of asbestos, I'm lucky to be alive because when I went to UCLA and I lived in the dormitory, Mm -hmm. there was like a one inch thick layer of asbestos on the ceilings of every dorm room. Because back in the dark ages, when I was at UCLA- It was fire resistant. Yeah. Very fire resistant. Sure, stop fires, really wonderful. Guys would kick the soccer balls up and it would hit the, the asbestos I was going to say, padding, you're okay as long as nothing disturbs it. And it would float down. And I can oh remember chunks would literally float in my mouth because I'd be lying there, you know, as a mouth breather, <laughs> taking a nap. And I'd feel, oh, it's oh this my funny thing. God. Oh, it's asbestos. And of course, I didn't know it was fatal. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it th- times have changed. But I'm Grave I'm just, danger indeed. Yeah, you I'm must just have lucky. powerful lungs to have uh, survived this. So tell me this, Connor. You're much more rational person than I am. I, am I being too cynical about the Biden administration's decision to exempt illegal aliens from this whole uh, mandatory uh, vaccine thing? So here's the deal. My understanding of the Department of Justice plan is that, yes, federal employees have to get shot. And yes, employees uh, at the big companies have to get shot. But illegal aliens specifically are exempted by the Biden administration, even though we know that 30 percent of folks detained at the border crossing illegally refuse vaccines and 18 percent of the illegals test positive. Why would Biden force U.S. citizens here legally, you know, janitor in the Pentagon or or head of the post office to force them to get the shots? But he's okay with letting the undocumented into the general population. Oh, we're not going to send you back because, you know, they could they could kill you. We know. So you can just meander throughout the general population for months or years waiting for your hearing. And yet no requirement to get the shots. Am I being cynical here? Well, shouldn't shouldn't we make these people get their shots? First off, no human is illegal. The word illegal is damaging and harmful okay. point, to, to be thrown Point around. noted. But the other thought is, hold on, what about freedom? What about these individuals who make their, their own, my body, my choice, my medical decisions? No, you're here. being cynical. How dare they? Now you're being How sarcastic. How dare the government come, try to come in and say that these people have to get vaccinated? I mean, that's absolutely the point. The point is, you're saying that average Americans, not you, conservatives, right. conservatives who are complaining about this and talking about on Fox News about, oh, well, they're not vaccinating the people at the border, but they are requiring federal employees. They're not, at, we're not requiring random individuals in the country. That's Fox's who, view. But if you were King, if you were Joe Biden, if you were the AG, then you would have pushed would, for having the single, undocumented no, get I would shots. Pu- I would push for every single person being va- vaccinated because a vaccine mandate right. is a moral uh, mandatory But if you were making the call one week ago in crafting this plan and, right. and knowing that it's fundamentally going to be federal employees and 100 or more employees, wouldn't you have said, let's let's have why the would undocumented I have t- why would I have get on, shot as why well? Why would I have tacked on undocumented people or to people across the To save their lives and the lives of many others. I would tack on 
every single person, okay. Joe Schmo, person who works in a. a, a but what if Biden says we can't get away with everybody? So why can't, let's why have, can't just you, have some sensible why categories? Why can you get? Why should you be able to get away with with uh, making the medical decisions of undocumented immigrants who are coming across the border, but not? Random Joe Schmo American. Random Joe Schmo American has just as much or potentially more danger of uh, spreading COVID or dying of COVID than a person walking across the border. It doesn't really national origin's not really an issue here. It's not like there's a dangerous Mexico variant that we're all afraid of or a, dex- a dangerous a can- a Canadian uh, variant that we're all afraid of. The issue is really about where it's endemic. Frankly, if I were Joe Biden and I were trying to get the be- most impact, I would say anywhere with a Republican governor like Ron DeSantis in Florida, who's got a po- the, the highest peak of his pandemic ever in right. his state, They've all got to get mandated 100 percent. And then federal employees in, in, in the, you. Uh, you know, low uh, in low uh, endemic states with low rates. Who cares about them? They're not the issue. I hear I mean, you. But that's one way to do it. He but, didn't do that because he went with the thing that is the most slam dunk, obvious, clearest oblig- uh, right, which is OSHA to regulate employers and, and the federal government to regulate federal employees. Maybe I'm Those just, a, consp- maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. Sure. Let me bounce this off. Here okay. and let, tell me if I'm just being ridiculous. Yeah. Never. Is it possible mm-hmm. that Biden wants undocumented folks to come and stay and eventually vote in a way that says, thank you, Democrat Party? And he wants that so badly, he's willing to put people's lives at risk. I mean, you're a federal employee. You refuse the vaccine. No, so the answer lose, to that is so no. So you lose your job. Yeah. You're subject to bankruptcy, welfare, hunger, psychological trauma. All this is worth it uh, to to put employees through that to increase the percentage of shots because it saves lives. But if you're an undocumented person, oh, we're not going to force you to get a shot. Welcome to America. Tell your friends we're working on a path to citizenship for you. You work for an employer who has 99 employees. You are subject to all the same things uh, that, that that you're describing if you refuse the shot. But you won't refuse the shot because you'll, well, some you'll, you'll accept the Some undocumented may work for folks who don't have 100 employees. Look, it, it, the, the idea of saying well, well, there should be special treatment, special negative bad enforcement treatment against people who are entering this country legally or illegally, because we basically treat immigration the same as we treat illegal immigration in this country. It's it's a, a tragedy, but we do it. To say that, oh, there's be one, uh, one uh, you know, rule for immigrants, one rule for brown people, one rule for white people, one rule for whatever, that, I think, is complete misdirection from the reality of, of what Biden did, which is I control federal employees because I'm the boss of every federal employee because my job is the president and I control big employers and how they impact their employees because I run OSHA as an executive branch administration because I'm the president. Those are the two things I can do really, really well. Now, if you want to talk about how we should control the border, sure, it's a totally different issue. If you want to talk about how whether we should vaccinate people in this country who aren't employers, uh, employees of the federal government. Sure, let's talk about that. I think Joe Schmo should have to get vaccinated. I think we should be blow darting people on the frickin' street to make sure that everybody gets vaccinated because we're in a global pandemic. You could folks. put an eye out. Good, absolutely. But I have very good blow dart accuracy. So I think this whole, uh, you know, illegal immigration and 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 uh, uh, dodge about talking about undocumented is a complete misdirection. A complete like we just don't have anything to to stick to Biden on this one because it's so obviously the right decision that we just have to you know come up with some other topic to change to because he's going to win on this. Everybody wants everybody to be vaccinated except. Wackos. Because we're obsessed with Joe Biden and his Department of Justice, when we come back, we're going to talk about the DOJ's lawsuit against the Texas abortion law. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. 
This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So uh, Biden's Department of Justice has not taken it lying down. That Texas abortion law that goes against uh, Roe versus Wade and is obviously unconstitutional based on current Supreme Court precedent. Um, Biden's uh, DOJ has filed a federal court lawsuit in uh, Austin, Texas to protect the rights They say that Texas has violated. They seek a declaration that the abortion law in Texas uh, that says no abortions after uh, six weeks, when uh, we we say there's a heartbeat, uh, they say that that law is unconstitutional. I would would say that this week's show show should be called Biden Gets His Balls Out of His Purse. Is that good? Yeah, I think that's the headline. Yeah. Um, now, here's my problem, though. Isn't isn't this lawsuit just exactly uh, what the Supreme Court refused to do five to four a week or two ago? I mean, in the Supreme Court case, an abortion provider sued Texas officials. But the defendants, the officials argued that we have no involvement in the enforcement of the Texas law because the law is explicitly excluded officials from enforcing it. Instead, it has the bounty hunter deal. Any citizen, Texan or otherwise, may sue any abortion provider. They can even sue the Uber driver who brought the woman to the abortion clinic, but they may not sue the woman. And the Supreme Court refused to enjoin the law, noting that injunctions are against officials. The officials are uninvolved. And so now this new lawsuit by Biden, it's also against the officials. So isn't it doomed if the Supreme Court has anything to say about it? Well, the lawsuit is slightly different. First of all, the the procedural dodge that the Supreme Court used with this insane unsigned shadow docket decision where they you know, basically gutted Roe, uh, gutted Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey and said that the Supreme Court has no business uh, as, as long as you're clever enough, as long as you're tricky enough in drafting your law, Texas state legislature, you could do anything you want. You could reinstate slavery. You could ban guns. You could do anything you want. And I, as the Supreme Court, my little old Supreme Court, I just my hands are tied. <laughs> Folks, I just don't know. I mean, I know that the Supreme Court. I didn't know there were Southerners yeah, on the Supreme the Court. Texas, the, who have the Southern accents, but I'm just going to do the Supreme. I have my hands are tied. Best, I don't. I don't I'm know getting what to the do. vapors. I'm getting the vapors. I just can't. I just can't do anything about the fact that you're banning abortions in your state. I just don't know what to do because you have deputized uh, some sort of bizarre, if toxic insane, vapors. Then the OSHA law can help. Yeah. It's some sort of weird, weird uh, lynch mob deputization thing where you're letting individuals sue to enforce the law instead of the state legislature of Texas passed this law. Obviously, they're the ones SB who passed SB8 who are going to enforce SB8. And the state, uh, the, the federal government, the DOJ has said, look, there are federal laws on the books that, uh, for example, prevent you from restricting physical access to this, the abortion centers, um, uh, at, you know, the, the way that you it, it regulates basically free speech and the way protesters work or you can't physically block people. Uh, you can't be too close to uh, pro- abortion uh, uh, clinics. Uh, you can't uh, harass people going in and out of, of abortion clinics or restrict access in other ways. You can't uh, lie to th- them as a medical provider and tell them that they shouldn't get an abortion or they can't get an abortion when they can, that sort of thing. There are federal laws in place that, that, that do this. And so the DOJ has said that the enforcement by Texas of this will infringe on those federal laws. And so it is a slightly different procedural way to get at enforcing this. But overall, you're right that the Supreme Court could once again dishonestly lie and say that this matters, that this enforcement mechanism matters, that the SBA's clever drafting does get around their constitutional jurisdiction to decide whether this law is yay or nay, good or bad, constitutional or not. But it would be another 
intellectually dishonest lie for them to do it. But they could do it. They could do anything they want. They're the Supreme Court. They could declare, you know, that, that, that America is over and that it's it's Mad Max out there and we're all going to be raised by wolves and eat each other. They're not going to, but they could do that. They're more likely to, to do this than that. But, you know, it, there's no there's nothing you can do but uh, go through the appropriate legal processes approaching the Supreme Court and force them to own their bad mistakes. And that's something I think that the Democrats have done badly over the last 50 years is they've allowed the Republicans uh, and conservatives generally to sort of define, to, to take actions. And then we sort of in the media say things like, that's bad. We shouldn't do that. Instead of <laughs> going to court and forcing them to put their name on it, passing laws that force the, the Democrat, the Republicans to, to to vote against it. I mean, the, the Republicans' job as obstructionists is so easy in this country, the Democrats should be forcing them with a Senate and House majority and the presidency, they should be forcing them to vote down popular bills that would save American lives and make this country better every single hour of every single day. If you're a legislator, if you're a Mitch McConnell, your job should have to, you should be hitting that giant no button in Congress with your comical, you know, circus hammer. No time hammer. off for sleep? No time, <laughs> no time off for sleep. I mean, they, they should be forcing them to own instead of just saying, well, we can't pass this bill because they'll veto it or they'll they'll, they'll prevent us and, and, and they'll filibuster. Okay, force them to filibuster it. Force them to actually oppose this bill every single time that Congress is convened. Because there's no other way to make the American people aware of just how obstructionist the right is in this country. Well, Connor, uh, a minute ago in your uh, in your fancy in fancy inside baseball highfalutin way of speaking, you, you referred to shadow docket. Uh, uh, yeah. You're going to have to explain yourself now. As I understand it. Uh, of course, the Supreme Court can't take all the cases that it would like to take. Right. And so you need four votes to take up a case. And uh, isn't it just sour grapes by whatever side was unable to muster those four votes to take up the case? Isn't that what shadow docket means? I mean, and isn't the proliferation of national injunctions we talked about so many national substantive issues, immigration, health care and so on, are being decided by a single trial court judge for the entire nation. There just isn't time to take up everything. So is there anything wrong is with this? so-called shadow docket? So slightly, slightly different. Shadow docket decisions are not the refusal to take up the case in an ordinary like, oh, you only need four of the nine justices to decide to take a case up. We say we won't take that case up. That is different because that would let the underlying uh, decision stand. So if a lower federal court says, whoa, Texas, you can't do that. That's insane. You can't get around that. Then if the Supreme Court doesn't want to actually rule on it, if they don't want to talk about it and have it an opportunity for oral argument and have to go through the normal procedure, then they have to either say, we're not going to take it up, and then the lower court ruling stands, or they can do the shadow docket BS. And the shadow docket BS is where they say, we are going to take it up, and we're going to give a ruling on it because... Uh, we think the applicant will suffer, quote, irreparable harm if the request is not immediately granted right now. We can't put it off. We can't uh, let it come uh, come in front of on the merits docket is the opposite of the shadow docket. We can't we can't have them actually people Without come the in and talk about the full briefing and the yeah. full hearing. We're not going to do that because it, it's too important. It's like a, a it's like an emergency injunction. There will be an irreparable harm. They're going to so, tear down the old North Church. Right, and if they right. do, it'll be gone forever. Yeah. So we have to act. And so these shadow docket decisions are often super short. They're often only a couple of sentences. And crucially for these j- jerks on the Supreme Court who are obsessed with their legacies, they're unsigned. They don't have to put their name on it. They don't have to own what they've done. Now, we know 
uh, the who the, the the justices are who you know came to the decisions and uh, and and voted one way or another on these. But you don't have to have an author of the opinion, even though these opinions are very short. It is a break from from normal uh, procedure. It, it, it is it is a way to avoid months of lengthy oral argument, and it is a way to sort of just just basically uh, kick this issue out without having to sort of shoulder the responsibility really, that who, you have as, I don't know, a Supreme Court Justice who, of the United States. Who isn't obsessed with their legacy? It's true. Aren't we all, really? If anyone knew who I was, I would way? be. Oh, sure. I, if I were a Supreme Court <laughs> Justice or anybody important in any way, I would be obsessed. If there were if there were too many viewers or listeners of this pod, I would be obsessed with my <laughs> legacy. Uh, no way I wouldn't. Well, this is a fascinating topic. We are going to have to put off for next week the issue of uh, income inequality because uh, we've about run out of time. But we do have time for Guess the Verdict, Connor. Are you psyched up for this you game You know it. Game I'm show? always psyched up. All right. So I'm going to give the real life facts of a case to Connor, and he's going to get to uh, guess who won and who lost in this situation. So here are the facts. A husband shows up at home unexpectedly and finds his wife in the arms of another man. Next thing you know, the other man is dead, courtesy of a shotgun. Who knows how this could have happened? Well, that's where I'm headed. The husband allegedly says to his wife, honey, I'm in trouble now. You've got to tell them the dog did it. And at his trial, he explains that their standard poodle caught his paw in the trigger of the gun, (laughs) knocked it to the floor, causing the fatal discharge. Right. The sure. wife then took the stand I mean, and the said... the discharge might have happened between the, it's possible. Husband, the wife and the other guy previously, but the, sure, yeah. The wife then took the stand and said, no, it happened the way you'd expect it happened. The dog was not involved. All right, Connor, um, how do you think this uh, homicide case Very turned important. out? It was what not state a canicide, it was a homicide what, case. What, what state is this case in? Oh, is I can't that, tell you that, because I have no idea. <laughs> but I think that... If this were California... Just sort of apply the law, Jeff. Oh, you're saying that there's a poodle paw a law a differs <laughs> no, no. from I Alabama to Alaska? Jury, you think juries are different. And Could I think be. the jury in California would look at this guy and say, sorry, buddy, I don't think your dog did this. Not just because they're dog people and they love it. what states would be Whereas receptive to the maybe the, the Texas, Alabama, uh, <laughs> Mississippi, uh, Tennessee juries might look at this guy and say, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the dog did it. Uh, look, I think these are people, I, I think it's a demographic difference between people who think, look, you walk in on your wife cheating on you, what are you going to do to the guy? Well, uh, gun owners and, you know, conservatives are probably going to say, look, this guy had it coming. He was doing wrong. And it's probably, uh, he probably had it coming. I mean, look, you sleep with another man's wife in his house, and then the guy comes home, and there's going to be heat of passion happening, and they're going to want to let this guy off the hook. Whereas some sort of highfalutin, elitist liberals in New York and California— All right, all right I've checked it on the internet. It's Florida. So now you oh, know no, that's right in the middle. Now you had, it happened in Florida. So These are inherently crazy. Um, <laughs> they're just wacko people. So it's great. I love them. I would say they let him off. I say they 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 say it was the dog who did it, and then and then he gets in he gets spite of Ethel's it. testimony. It's Florida. I'm sorry, he was convicted. No, yeah, yeah. you never know with Florida. Who gets convicted in Florida? That's just embarrassing. You can do anything you want in Florida, Connor. Your batting average is still well above 500, so that puts you. Okay, in don't need to fame. rub it in. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of Too Many Lawyers. Have yourself a great week. We'll see you next week.